Hey everyone, for today's special episode of Strictly Hoop Talk, I got my man June with me coming back to the podcast to break down the NBA trade deadline. You guys know this is one of my favorite times of the year in the NBA season. I love monitoring all the transactions, following all the rumors, all that stuff is so much fun to me. So for this podcast, we look at the three trades that have already happened um, in the last week, and then we take a deep dive into the players that are the hottest names on the trade market, what do we expect? Do we expect them to get to get moved? If so, where? Where would we like, like them to go? What is their trade value? And then we end it with some fun just trade ideas that we came up with ourselves, some trade proposals we kick back and forth to see just how realistic they are. Now, I want to make one quick apology because the technical difficulties that we experienced in this podcast did kind of affect the audio. Um, Jum and I were having connection issues, and it was... <laughs> It was probably, this is one of the most difficult edits of a podcast I've ever had to do. So there are some issues that you will you will hear in the audio. But overall, the conversation was really fun and definitely worth having. Um, I'm glad to get this podcast up to you. And I don't want to keep you too long, so let me just get to the housekeeping real quick. So if you have not yet, please check out episode three of the Chris Platty Show, which is a hip-hop show on Imperial Media that's on YouTube. Um, it, it's it's so much fun. I had Animal Brown. If you're a fan of the Strictly Hip Hop side of the podcast, you definitely know Animal Brown. And we, we talked about Drake's new three-pack. We talked about Bobby Schmurr's release from prison, the Biggie documentary, and so much more. Um, the show is coming together really well. Each episode, it's getting better and better. So shout out to my guys at Imperial. Check that out if you have not. Also, um, there is some Strictly Hip Hop stuff in the can that I'm working with coming soon. So the best way to stay tuned to that is following me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Chris Platty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Now, without further ado, let's get to today's episode, the NBA Trade Deadline Mega Preview featuring my man, June. Let's get it. Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I am your host, Chris Flatty. And on this redemption podcast, I'll call it here, I got my man Joom, host of the Shot Makers, which I am a part of on Clubhouse. Um, man, I haven't been on the last couple weeks due to work scheduling, but love love being on that. Joom, how are you? Hey man, what's good, man? Uh, Chris, glad to hear from you. Uh, I haven't been on Clubhouse in the last couple of weeks, I think. Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been traveling and uh, vacating, but I do have the other guys that be holding it down for us. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was able to pop in. Um, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was like two weeks ago. I was able to pop in 
for a little bit um but due to my scheduling i just haven't been able to consistently be on that because i know i know back when uh, back when even just as little as like three weeks ago you know we would be in there for four hours hours <laughs> yeah man four hours. four hours just getting off all my angry drum it takes talking <laughs> one of the most legendary uh debates we had was that was that Kyrie one about just mm-hmm. like about when Brooklyn first did the trade, just like the offense, and then it got into Clay versus Kyrie and all that. Uh-huh. All that. I don't know, were you there for the uh, AI versus Kyrie discussion? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that same episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that same yeah, episode. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, Kyrie man. slander. I'm a I'm a big Curry fan. Um, but Kyrie's game, Kyrie has one of the most beautiful games to watch on on court. I think Dame said it recently, like purest game ever yeah um but like could the slander that Kyrie gets as a man as a person and then also as a hooper it does not make sense to me yeah <laughs> you know hate is gonna hate man listen man i i've planted my i planted my flag on Kyrie island and i'm staying For there sure. i gotta i gotta resort uh it's expensive it's expensive it's it's sometimes it's taxing to be there both mentally and physically but mm-hmm. you know what it's it's a good place to be it's a good location uh, let's talk today about the NBA trade deadline, which as we're recording this Monday night, it's it's coming Thursday. Um, trade deadline, one of my favorite parts of the year, as everyone knows that listens to my podcast and follows me on social media. Every every trade deadline, the last hour of the trade deadline, I go live on Instagram, just kind of reacting to things as they come in. Uh, and, you know, it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's one of the most fun times. I, I love the acquisition moving. I love the I love following every rumor. I love having Woj, Shams, Mark Stein, everybody's tweets on deck ready to ready to just blow up my phone with endless notifications. And we're here this time. And a lot of people are suggesting around the league sources are saying that there are going to be uh, a lot of little deals maybe not any big blockbusters and it's just going to be relatively quiet uh, we have had three to kick it off so I'll, we'll start with these three that have really started dating back to last week and i promise i'm not just starting with the pistons because it's the pistons i promise yeah, they're the ones that kicked it up <laughs> i had to i had to man we'll get to some we'll get to some former pistons some current pistons we'll get to that in the <laughs> podcast but uh but uh acquiring a Hamadou diallo for for Svi, which I, I God, I, I loved him as as a shooter on Detroit in a 2027 second round pick. Um, I'll just read all three deals and then we'll jump into them. The Heat acquiring Trevor Reza from the from the Thunder. Uh, Trevor Reza went to the Heat for Myers Leonard and a 2027 second round pick again. Oklahoma really believing in that 2027 second round draft class. Uh, the Bucks did a minor trade uh, trade sending. Tory Craig to the Suns for cash considerations, which I actually like for Phoenix. We'll get into that, but that was a result of the Bucks making a a, a big move, acquiring PJ Tucker from the Rockets. Um, the Bucks got PJ Tucker, a 2021 second round pick swap, and a 2022 first. The Rockets get DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, a 2021 first round pick swap, top nine protected, and a 2023 first round pick. So. Obviously, the P.J. Tucker is the biggest one, um, but quickly, do you have anything to say on the Pistons deal or the Miami Heat deal that happened earlier this uh, week? I think the Hamadou uh, trade, um, and I, I like, I'm like i not a Pistons uh, watcher to any degree, right? <laughs> I love Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, he's from P.G. County, uh, Maryland, so that's where I'm from, so I love him. Um, but I think do, I do think that the Hamadou trade, it's, it's interesting because I think that Detroit right now is a place where 
a lot of young folks are going and blossoming. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what can happen from there. Um, I'm a Heat fan. Um, so it was kind of like, I haven't shown it much, but at the Trevor trade, it's really, it seems really minuscule. Uh, but the Heat are a team that loves scrappy, like great guys. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Trevor's going to, I think Trevor's like 42 years old out here. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be, he's going to be scrappy. Once in a while, he can hit a three. Um, defense-wise, when it comes to playing some of these better wings in the East, KD, um, James Harden, Jalen uh, Brown, you know, like those yeah. guys, I think Trevor's a very good asset for us. Um, so I, I'm cool with it. Um, and we didn't lose anybody uh, of importance by making that trade. Yeah, not not at all considering the week Myers, Myers Leonard had. I, honestly... Um, we, we won't get into, we won't get into his ignorance, but the video is funny because like you can see in his face in the moment, like his agent just reaming him. And then he's like, and he's like, my bad, my wife called me. I got to get off Mm -hmm. or something like that. And you could just tell, like, it was just a straight, it was just a a face of somebody that knows that they, that they, that they messed up. Yeah. That they messed up big time. And you know. You screw, um, it's, it's like you, they caught you in 4k how did they catch you in 4K? literally and like yeah. the whole thing just was just ignorant like it made no sense from the from from any perspective anyways like it just kind of came out of left field and mm-hmm. you know it, it is what it is you know the thunder <laughs> the miami heat were able to to make a nice move in trevor reason now the one thing i will say i i like and agree with everything you've said Jum about Trevor Reza going to Miami, it's a good place. He's he's been historically a good defender on bigger wings. Like right. he played great even what was now a little over a year ago in Portland. He was playing right. fantastic. Oh yeah. Um he was actually having probably one of his best seasons in, in years. But you know, my only concern with this trade, and we'll get to it with the PJ Tucker trade as well, is with Trevor Reza. You know, eventually there's gonna be that there's gonna be that team that overpays for him, and not that they not that Miami really sacrificed anything. Like we said, they got all scot free, but there is gonna be that one time he Trevor Reza gets traded and he's not right. what he and he's not what his reputation used to be. You right. know, and, and so that's my only fear. However, um, from Miami's perspective, again, sacrificing literally almost nothing, a 2027 second round pick. I mean, that's like a what, like a middle school right now, you know, so it's a very, it's a very minuscule um, casualty in the, in the, uh, in the sweep state or in the Miami heat, like grand scheme of things in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, equity and all of that. But Mm -hmm. that's the word I'm looking for assets. I don't know why I said equity. Yes. Uh, and and assets um what's so crazy it's about, good now I was, I was saying that what's crazy about this trade is that uh when andre gudala actually like put on a uniform last year it was around his time right it's around i think uh he was a little before the trade deadline i believe right um but he w- he hadn't played the re- majority of seasons kind of same thing with trevor trevor's first two games came with miami this season so i do think that like for whatever it's worth we don't need him to do too much just maybe right. once you know hit one out of four shots it's like you're shooting 25 percent. by the way miami had like, we're not talking about like teams today miami needs shooters and what's crazy is that you know a year ago people were saying duncan robinson was like the fourth or third best shooter in the week right. um, and so yeah but you know just contribute all i think all we need right now is contribution i think that trevor at least defensively you can do that for us if yeah. not it's cool we didn't lose anything exactly exactly so from the heat side back again yeah, and from the Heat's perspective, it's a, it's a win-win. Especially, like honestly, there's teams like Miami that 
um, you know, the asset evaluation is different because if I'm Miami, I am so confident in my ability to, and maybe this is wrong of me to think, but I'm so confident in my ability to just pluck somebody from the G League and make them great. Like, they've done that how many times now? They've gotten so many. Like, if you oh, yeah. add up all of the money that dudes have gotten off of Miami Heat, like G Leaguers that have gotten paid off Miami Heat contracts, it's like... Right. It's like over a hundred million. Like it's like a, it's not, it's a lot of money. Like the Miami Heat are stimulating the NBA economy, uh, with, with just plucking these guys and and developing them and turning them into things. So if I'm Miami, you know, I'm I'm always I'm I'm always like draft picks value are a little less valuable to me just because mm-hmm. I'm confident in my ability to, um, especially second round picks, uh, just because I'm confident in my ability to go find that young guy or find that situation that uh that nobody that nobody sees coming and you know through heat culture and all of that stuff that mm-hmm. we talk about um developing in mind talent yeah no, i mean absolutely i think at the we were throwing out folks at the start of this year and i'm like who is max Russ? <laughs> yeah. who is like you know and, and i don't know if um i remember i mentioned him on the, uh the shot makers at some point but we got a guy, um, and I, his name's uh, KP, KZ uh, Opala, who, like, Miami's, like, brass are raving about this guy. Who yeah. They've yet to actually So, um, that's why, I guess, as a Heat fan, like, I'm never worried about these moves, except for the fact that we didn't trade for James Harden when we needed to. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Mike, like, it's, it hurts me every morning. If, if, if it was really, Tyler, if it was really them not – putting Tyler Hero in the equation, which, again, I've heard reports both ways. I've heard mm-hmm. that the Heat were absolutely willing to, and I've heard that the Heat were unwilling to, so I really right. don't know where the truth lies. But if it really is Miami just being like, no, we're holding on to Tyler Hero and passing up James Harden, that is a that is an all-time absolutely. mistake. You know, all that's time. tough. That's all tough. All-time. That's absolutely. very tough. Let's talk about the let's talk about the Bucks real quick and their PJ Tucker pickup from the Rockets. Speaking of James Harden and his former team, uh, PJ Tucker going to the Bucks. I like this, especially considering they really didn't give up too much value. I think mm-hmm. for PJ, they really were kind of able to move some like semi picks that like you know a- again it, with pick swaps and all that. Um, Again, Milwaukee. So people have made this argument before, and I've and I've made it before, that the idea of drafting twenty eighth every draft. If you trade five twenty eighth overall picks, you know, and, and you get somebody who's a borderline all star, that's a, that's a good trade. You right. know what I mean? So so it's one of those things where if I'm Milwaukee, again, I I value first a little less. I don't want to give them up for nothing, but you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, first are not as valuable as long as I know Giannis is on my team. And PJ Tucker, it's the same thing with uh, it's the same thing to a to a lesser extent with uh, with Trevor Reza, in that mm-hmm. I have more confidence in PJ Tucker than I do Trevor Reza, just because I've seen PJ Tucker just be an absolute animal as as recent as like six months ago in yeah. the NBA bubble, and you know him hitting the hitting the short corner threes and being able to defend guys who are actually like his size versus mm-hmm. having to defend people that are that are eight inches taller than him. Um, you know, I think he just he gives them a lot, and in it from a situational perspective or from a, just an outside perspective, he fits exactly what Milwaukee needs, and that's another just defending wing that can shoot the three. But at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, he is older. 
and he hasn't looked good this season. And, you know, you could chalk it up to him being unmotivated in a situation that, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously is very messy there in Houston. Right. But, you know, I, there, there's always worry with me. Like, it, again, it's it's the idea of the buyout market slash the, the trade deadline market and that you, you, we just see this theme of, of, you know, older players, older veterans being traded for, you know, maybe like a second round pick or a first round pick or a young mm-hmm. asset. And sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times, you know, they're past the point where they're, you know, they're essentially cooked. And that's kind of that's kind of my fear with P.J. Tucker. Right. Uh, I mean, I look at the P.J. trade as like you said, they're giving up 28, you know, 28 every year. First round, 28 as a, you're picking from, you're picking from 28 every year. Um, um, and I think that like, it's kind of, I feel it's, it's very similar to the Miami thing where they're not necessarily missing out because if you're getting 28, you can also get that in a second rounder um, and probably get the same value, um, the same production scale, same production value. Um, but I do think that P.J., once again, the expectation um, and pressure on P.J. is probably as low as it's been outside of his time with the Rockets this season uh, because he just needs to be in a corner. And if, if he's not in a corner, he's not the best defender on a court. In fact, he's probably not the um, he's probably not the third best defender on the court, right? He gets to actually kind of fit in his role um, and be productive, I think, um, or try to be productive. Um, so once again, I think P.J. can be okay with, like, going zero for three in a day as long as he there defensively as long as he was a body defensively and i think what um a credit to pj and guys like draymond who their athleticism might not be there anymore those, those are some of the smartest defenders in the league and i think that's what really matters same thing with trevor like if you're a smart defender um your smarts tend to last longer than your um longer than your quickness and i think that that's what pj has working for him um but he's going to get his shots and They're like be open <laughs> the one thing you know, he's going to be hella open. Um, and, I, and I think that if he knows how to swing in the right in the right times, how to really commit to, like, you know, because he's played with James Harden. So he knows when to get the ball back, you know, when it's not a good look. So um, I have little worry about P.J. I really like it because I'm actually pulling for the Bucks to kind of surprise people uh, in the East this year. Um, but I don't even think P.J. will be a factor in that happening. Uh, I think it comes down to Drew yeah. and Giannis' and, and development. To, and to be clear, too, with, with my my thoughts on the trade, I really do like the P.J. Tucker pickup for them. But ultimately, I see them as needing more of more shot creating uh, than anything. Because at this point, they've just, Milwaukee has scarred me to the point where I just need to see them with players that can create a shot in the playoffs when things mm-hmm. get ugly. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like all these PJ Tuckers, these are these are great pickups. They they make your team better. You do it ten times out of ten. However, um, the move I need them to make is I need them to get you know uh, a a Seth Curry or somebody that can somebody that can you know mm-hmm. shoot lights out and you can count on in the playoffs and also um, be somebody and, and maybe even be a better version of Seth Curry where it's just somebody that can that can actually kind of create their own shot off the dribble like. Uh, you know what? Who do you, who do you think that is? Who, who do you think that is? Is that a, a TSJ? Is that a Terrence Ross? Is that an Evan Fournier? Um, at yeah, a reasonable I mean, price. Evan Fournier at a reasonable price is is one that I that I really like. I've long been a fan of. I've long been a fan of him, and I think he makes sense with a lot of great teams. Particularly, um, 
I see him sliding in and being mm-hmm. exactly what Bogdan was supposed to be for them when, when they picked him up or they were supposed to pick him up and then didn't get him. Um, so I can right. see him sliding into that role perfectly. Okay. I can see that. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and I do know he, the magic should mm-hmm. be selling, but I think that they're holding on for dear life yeah. for whatever reason right there. I think they're trying to contend to some degree. And Vuvicic seems to be okay with that. Like, okay with the limbo that he's in. Orlando's interesting. Let's actually jump to them. Um, So we've looked at, those are the three traits that have happened. Let's jump to the latest rumors. I got some names just to hit. Um, I mean, like like you said, I mean, we could circle the whole whole Orlando Magic team. It seems very unlikely that Vucevic would trade at this point, even though it would make a lot of sense for Orlando to move him. It also makes sense for them to keep him, um, you know, just because until Mm -hmm. at least maybe even the offseason to see what kind of value they can get for a guy that's that had an absolute sensational season but Aaron Gordon is the name that everybody's popping up with and obviously he had a a a great game a a a career game really with 38 points the other night uh looking looking absolutely spectacular Mm -hmm. and he's shooting 40 percent from three this year a lot of people are a lot of people are buzzing about Aaron Gordon and everybody's always said, you know, oh, he's if he just embraces his role on a good team, he can be like an amazing, amazing player. Uh, it seems like if anything, that's the that's the player that they move. Um, even though, like you said, there's quite a few players on that roster that they could move. Terrence Ross is another name. Evan Fournier, another name. Um, the Magic could really end mm-hmm. up being big sellers and blow up their team if they really wanted to at this deadline. Um, but it seems like. If anything, if they make any type of move, it's Aaron Gordon. I think they will make a move, though, this year. I, I do think Orlando's kind of been looked at the last couple of years as this team that every year at the trade deadline, it's like, oh, we wish they weren't standing pat, but we know they're going to stand pat, you know, because because truth be told, yeah. a couple of years ago at the trade deadline, Vucevic was a hot target. Aaron Gordon, his name started mm-hmm. to heat up. You know, there was Terrence Ross, like, love. There was... A couple, like, it's been for the last, it's almost been an annual tradition that every trade deadline, the Orlando Magic come up just because they're kind of that team that's been in limbo. And then they've, and and to their credit, you know, they've gotten two playoff wins in the last two years, which is a, which is something that, you know, not a lot of teams can honestly say. And, and and so, so these seasons have been lost for nothing, but Orlando and particularly Aaron Gordon is a, is an interesting situation. I think now it's finally time and I think they're ready to say that it's time mm-hmm. uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, I think like you said they love staying back and I'm looking at it now it feels like Terrence Ross was yeah. drafted by Orlando he wasn't he, you Toronto. know what I'm saying he's drafted yeah. by uh Toronto um but it, it, he's been there forever same thing with Lucevic uh Aaron Gordon so I, I do think that Aaron Gordon could sell because um, I think he's formally yeah. demanded today it came out that he formally demanded a trade um but I even I think like about his fit elsewhere, and what exactly what type of player is he? Right. So forty percent from three is pretty amazing. Um, but be getting to a team where all he can all he has to do is stand pat. Is he your athletic three and D guy um, right now? Um, but he's also a decent playmaker. Um, so he's kind of what it kind of reminds me of what Blake Griffin became. Yes, and um, Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as an athletic kind of playmaker um, who can hit the three, but. I'm a little like airy about his fit in a lot he's of places, still, um, but I know he's he still he's seems a, like a guy that just kind of hasn't figured himself out yet, you know. Right, and I, I maybe it's coaching. 
Um, but I think that he's versatile enough to be potentially that PJ Tucker. Um, if he, if he can, if he can write the ship, cause I don't, I don't think PJ's ever shot over 40% from three. Um, but if he could write the ship, he becomes a really solid three and D guy, um, who, or who you can find on the wing or, you know, a JR, uh, Jason Richardson, right. Um, who's three and three in athletic dunks the entire time. So I don't know his fit though. Um, because of course the Nets are going to throw their name in the pile. Uh, I, I, I was talking to my guy, Charles earlier about the Warriors fit. Uh, what if there's a Ubre and Aaron Gordon trade, um, straight up and but they look like yeah. the same players to me. Um, a very yeah, inconsistent. If, if Aaron Gordon you know, shot like over 126, like Kelly Ubre did to start the year, it wouldn't surprise me. And also, if he should continue right. to shoot 40 percent the rest of the season, it wouldn't surprise me. Like either either way with Aaron Gordon, um, I think he gets moved. Do you ultimately think he gets moved at this deadline? I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I just want it to be a, a reasonable trade for the Magic. They're a team that, you know, two years from now, hopefully the Magic are like an actual contender in the East. They were in the playoffs last year uh, or two years ago. And I, I do think that they have a really great cornerstone in Nikolai. And uh, like they have the young guards and Cole and Markel. And it's like, yo, if you guys can actually stick, put a team together. You have a chance to at least be in a playoffs. Yeah, I know. Um, they're like I know the, everybody's favorite thing um, to do with Orlando is to just say like, yeah, just sacrifice them to the Wolves and trade Aaron, Aaron Gordon for nothing, and like you know. But no, at the end of the day, it's like Orlando's a team too that has aspirations. Like you need to, you can't just do these fake trades where Orlando gets nothing just because you know they're going to trade right. one of their guys. Right. Right. All right. So, what do you, what do you, where do you see well, him going, or what's a? We'll get now? into we'll get into later because when we get into fun trades, I have a trade proposal. I have a, okay. I have a trade proposal for that. So let's I'll just be- kind of let's just kind of hit through the names right now and sit, and we'll say if or if they get traded or, or what kind of is their is their future, and then we'll and then we'll kind of jump into some fun trade ideas that you and I kind of make up, and we'll see how we'll see how real they are, how much sense they make to each other. Uh. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's Sounds jump good. to Kyle Lowry, who's gotten a, who's gotten a lot of heat. It's picked up. It's been uh, picked up. <laughs> no pun intended. There, the heat are the heat are very interesting. yeah yeah every yeah. every pun. <laughs> that was a totally <laughs> accidental pun, but it worked. Uh, it worked. I love Kyle it. Lowry's been drawing interest from uh, Miami, from Philly. Um, Toronto seems to be open to the idea of moving him, but the price has got to be right. And I don't know if the price is right. It's a tr- it's a tricky situation because Toronto. They do have a little bit of, I, I don't say bad PR because all was forgiven when they won the title with Kawhi, but, you know, that, that DeMar DeRozan mm-hmm. certainly didn't, when it happened, certainly didn't go over very well as far as a, as an image standpoint from Toronto. So, you know, some guy who they're saying is the greatest Raptor of all time or the most beloved Raptor of all time, you know, I can't, I can't say he's the greatest just because he's been there the longest. I would have to give it to one of the players that was actually like, at a superstar level consistently, but Kyle Lowry's been great in Toronto. He's been an amazing part of that franchise. And so you do want to, it, it makes it tricky because you have to really sell this trade to your fan base. You have to be able to say, okay, not only do I like what the assets I'm getting back in the trade, but my fans have to like the asset I'm getting back in this trade because this guy means so much to this, you know, to this, basically to this country because Toronto's the only 
uh, Canadian basketball team. So there's a lot of pressure on Toronto that makes it very interesting, which is why I ultimately think he doesn't get moved. And maybe the, the best thing down the road is like in the offseason, Toronto agreeing to let Kyle Lowry part ways or maybe do a sign and trade or something along those lines. So you're breaking my heart, Chris. Because, um, I mean, everything you said makes absolute sense. Uh, uh, he got to go, but it makes absolute sense. I don't know if you remember, there was, a, there was a stat while he was injured this season. There was a stat that was like Toronto was like 16-0 or something like that in their last like games without Kyle Lowry. And they were they were struggling for wins with Kyle Lowry. And so, uh, But, of course, that means nothing to your brass. That means nothing to um, – Toronto as a whole, and I do think that ultimately Kyle ends up staying um, because I don't know if there's a package outside of like another like superstar, like budding superstar talent that Toronto is like, yo, it. like yeah. we'll trade Kyler, you know. Um, and and I think that the one name and not to throw out like you know I trade ideas, but like it have to be like a Jalen Brown who is a you know up and coming star um, who's a, everyone is talking about Jalen Brown now. Um, that would be which their their values are completely different, right? Jalen's a better player right now. Um, anybody who is in that realm of Jalen would be a better player than what Kyle Lowry is. Um, but the impact to a team, to a locker room, I think it's, you know, those uh, those intangibles are unspoken for. So, oh, man, I don't like what you said, but I, I, I have yeah, to agree, I with, agree you. with you. As well as the, I mean, speaking of locker room impact, Boston could use that right now because I don't know what the hell is going on in Boston. But, oh, but yeah. no, uh, everything you oh, say yeah. is absolute is absolutely true. You know that Kyle Lowry, he's in this weird predicament where he's almost he's you have to overpay for him knowingly. You know, and there's and there are some overpays that happen in the NBA, and sometimes those overpays work, like the Anthony Davis. Like, you know, you, you sometimes they, yeah. they work, but it's very very rare, and especially rare when it's a thirty five year old that you're overpaying for. So. Question: You think Anthony Davis was overpaid? I I don't I don't because <laughs> I think he's worth the moon, the sun, the stars combined. But but you know okay. I just know that that name okay. is out there. That oh you know and, yeah. and I I get the the literal I get the basic logistics of why would you trade all this for a guy that was going to come to there a year later? But like but it's it's Regardless. way deeper. It's yeah. way deeper than that. It's LeBron. It's the it's the forces that be. It's a there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more forces at play when it comes to that Anthony Davis trade than than the basic fan is thinking about when they just say oh just sign this guy next year, and so for sure. You know, but I know that that narrative's out there, which is why I use it for, as an example that you know sometimes teams do quote unquote overpay. Like there's a there's a you know there's a narrative that there's an overpay for Drew Holiday and we talked about that at the beginning. I don't necessarily think that's a total overpay because you know the 28th pick five times in a row. Um, you know what does that what does that get you? That gets you three guys that are out of the league. You know what I mean? Like three guys right. that are out of the league and two players that that might be rotation players for uh, for a player who mm-hmm. you know at, at his peak has looked like an All Star player. And has and has absolutely yeah. yes has been has an been all-star. an all star body Damian Lillard in the playoffs one year which was incredible. <laughs> oh I, listen, my god! I'm not trying to slander Dame because I love Dame, but but it was it was one of the most <laughs> impressive things I ever saw in my life was to see Drew Holiday and that that Pelicans Portland series was probably one of the most memorable series ever just for the the sheer shock factor of it that that you know mm-hmm. watching what they did to that backcourt in Portland, but. My point to, with all that is that, you know, Kyle Lowry is essentially in this weird place where 
you just you have to because of who he is you have to overpay yeah it's not just traditional if you were to take Mm -hmm. the name out of it and just say player a 35 years old this is his stat sheet this is what he's accomplished blah 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 okay i i I could see i could see a team trading a a first round a a first round or two first rounds for him at the deadline maybe um but you know that's not Mm going to sell it to the fan base because if you if you give philly you know if you give him Tyrese Maxey, who's who looked like a, a interesting player for four games, um, and then a first round pick. It's like, you know, I mean, really, you can't sell that for a guy who's been like the heart and soul of your franchise now for forever. So, yeah, your, your country, your country. Your country. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's a tough yeah. situation. Let's move on to Andre Drummond, my favorite player. <laughs> Yay. Yay, Andre Drummond. Um, you know, you know the outcome. I'm rooting for here. Uh, Andre Drummond, <laughs> listen, he's, he's been, there's been leaks today that, uh, there's been reporting today that essentially Dallas is looking at him. Um, you know, it, it's, and then Cleveland's put out these false reports, which are, there's no, like, like I've never seen, I've never seen a worse PR, uh, PR department than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, uh, 10 teams interested in Andre Drummond. Like there is no way there's no oh, okay. way. I think I, all right. Cleveland is bad, but I don't think there's anything worse than that's Sacramento. True. True, but yes, true. Cleveland is bad. But like, I agree. It's, it's just like <laughs> you agree. Just, it, it was just so like, and maybe that's the journalist in me that's able to see through it. But like, yeah, dude, there's no way you're tweeting out, oh, ten teams interested in Andre Drummond three weeks ago, right. and he's still on your roster, not playing. So like, you know, right. it, it it's one of those things where. Hopefully Cleveland is, and Cleveland is looking to literally just get back what they got, what they gave up to get him, which was not much. I mean, if you mm-hmm. remember, Detroit gave him up for a second round pick and expiring contracts. You know, Detroit all they got really yeah. was a second round pick, and you know, and that's all Cleveland's looking for. And maybe Dallas is able to do that with James Johnson plus some other salary and get maybe Drummond and something back. But ultimately, I just see him as a buyout candidate, and then I don't know where he goes from there. Um, uh, you know, obviously there's, he's been linked to the Lakers. He's been linked to the Nets. He's been linked to pretty much any team. I do think, you know, I, I do think, you know, as much as I don't like him and don't want him to win, uh, I, I could, I could love to see the ideal fit of him with Luca, um, and the magic and the, yeah. and the magic that that would ha- happen with Dallas. Um, so, you know, he's, he's obviously a player. I can make my jokes all day and I can talk about game three of the 2018 playoffs till the sun comes home about how I watched this man get, yeah. you know, just absolutely out hustled and, and play with zero heart. But at the end of the day, he, he averages 15 rebounds. Like that's worth something, but it's just the yeah. money is too much. He's going to get bought out and he's going to be, he's going to be pretty valuable for a team. This isn't, this isn't the Blake Griffin buyout. This isn't the, Derek Rose potential buyout that you know was maybe going to be an option before he got traded like this is a this is a guy mm-hmm. who's I, I'm just ballparking if I think he's like 28 so like he's he's not overcooked yeah. like he may be at the tail end of his prime because the athletic centers have an earlier prime but he's still you know he's not he's nowhere near the age of washed he has no injury uh he has no real injury risk he's fresh legs now that he's been out for like a month so like mm-hmm. There's uh, there. This is this is a steal on the buyout market. Whoever whoever gets him, as much as it pains me, as much as it pains right. me to say that, but that's ultimately where I see the Andre Drummond thing playing out. You know what's crazy, and I'll get to Drummond. But Drummond was on Clubhouse a lot, uh, <laughs> as early right. on in the season, and I really wish I could have got a um, a matchup between you and Drummond. 
and her room. That would have been amazing. We have, we have uh, but no, we I, have actually, I, uh, a very good friend of uh, a very good friend of mine is a very good friend of his. Um, so we've had we've had private conversations. Uh, not me, not me and Drummond. But, okay. Um, just between the between the uh, the connection, yeah. yeah the go between. So he knows yeah. he knows how I feel. Yeah. About Shout him out. Um, oh man. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, yeah. it, it's 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 well, a, it's a hustle thing, man. Like I just want to see him, you know, grow up and mature. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, it's probably how we thought about Dion Waiters yeah. a couple years ago, but I can see that. Um, but Philly Cheese is a champion, right? But I, so I think with Drummond, um, I see a lot of what you said. Uh, I I don't know if he is a tradable. Um, if but if if the Dallas is willing to give up a second rounder and like one other contract or so, like that works. Uh, but but I definitely think that Cleveland's in a bind because they have to buy him out. Like I I don't think you get rid of him unless you buy him out. Um, but I am a little bit more, and, and I'm with you hundred percent. Actually, I think like you're, you're on him because of the motor. I'm on him because like the play style, um, you know, it's, it's kind of outdated, but then at the same time, my theory is that if you put Shaq in today's game, Shaq's going to alter the game enough, alter the floor enough We're that you're going to have to start playing by Shaq his... in the same sentence. <laughs> right, right. We're not, we're not, we're not. So I think that at peak, at peak. Um, if you're if someone's grabbing, gobbling all the rebounds, even though a lot of those are like you know tips himself. Um, if, if someone's doing that and like is just in the dunker spot the entire time, I do think you have to pay attention mm-hmm. to him. So I do think that he's a very you know attractable candidate for that. Uh, once he's in the buyout market, um, honestly, I think that he's not a good. I would I don't think the Lakers yeah, are a good fit for him. Only because it's I mean eighty's not the purest shooter outside, you know, so it's gonna need to be inside a lot. Um but that Dallas, Dallas fit makes and, a lot of sense. And Brooklyn. They both uh, just like when he has all and that Brooklyn. space, I mean that's a great uh, thing for him. And to his yeah. credit to his credit, he's but if, never had a good point guard. Other than Brandon Jennings, who right. uh, my favorite stat in the history of NBA basketball is before he tore his Achilles, he had a better PR than LeBron James. Go look it up. He was he Ooh. was killing it. Right? He was a mm-hmm. he was an did all, you know that he was an all star <laughs> like a mega all star. No, no. That was the closest right. one it ever got though to a good point oh, guard, no. and that was like a six week stretch. So yeah, you know it's one of those things where to drum his credit, he hasn't had a great roster around him, and I'll be the first to admit that. But you know, again, it comes to mm-hmm. the effort thing. We're definitely in Brandon Jennings <laughs> high, but yeah, I mean, one hundred percent agree. I would hate if he got to the Nets. Like I, I'm okay with the Blake, right. the Blake Griffin trade, uh, or the, the Blake Griffin move. But like, if he gets yeah, to the Nets, like that's over. That's overkill. You know, like you know, we lo- Thanos died yeah. at the end of end, like, or you know, one Thanos died at the end of end game. So like, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who, who's been. Years. And also, that means um, I have to root against. We don't need uh, that Brooklyn if if Drummond goes there, <laughs> and right. I don't want to because they got Blake and Kyrie is, and Harden. Okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Brooklyn does seem like a team that throughout the course of the season has just been making trades or signings. Um, so they're a makeshift team, you know, and I don't, at some point you got to be like, all right, guys, cool it down. So hold on, slow down yeah. tomorrow. Don't pull out the nine. Uh, you're getting, it's yeah, a lot, it, you know? It, it really is. And, you know, speaking of them, let's, let's hit the name Spencer Dinwiddie I have on here. Um, you know, Big that's, a, that's a very interesting philosophical situation that, that Brooklyn is in because he's a player that can clearly provide value. Like if he's healthy now, he could, he obviously would be playing and playing big minutes, but you know, between honestly what they've gotten with Bruce Brown, <laughs> you know, Bill Simmons likes to joke is the best player in the league. I mean, 
I loved him. I hated uh, I hated mm-hmm. that trade for Detroit. I thought it made absolutely no sense. Bruce Brown was Bruce Brown was uh-huh. phenomenal. And and I've and I've seen I've mm-hmm. seen this what Bruce Brown is doing in Brooklyn that's shocking the whole world is what I've been saying he's going to do for months before he even got to Brooklyn. As I've said, you know, he's one of those players that, you know, I love that he's in Detroit, but the whole world is going to know him when he goes to a good team. And, you know, and he's doing that. So between that, Landry Shamit has, you know, the games I check in, he hits like five threes, six threes, eight threes. Like he just goes absolutely supernova. There's Joe Harris. There's obviously Kyrie and Harden. That backcourt is really, really crowded. And I get the idea of moving him for a valuable frontcourt piece. Like that makes a lot of sense to balance out the roster. Um, Or just another piece that can even help you this year, just because, you know, you are kind of already quote unquote all in this year because next year next year they're all one year away KD Kyrie and Harden are all one year away from opting out and who knows what the hell can happen in all listen if you give Kyrie three months away from an organization who who knows what he'll plot you know what I mean so it's one of those things where Brooklyn you know it makes a lot of sense I think they're smart for trying to trade him if they if they can even though, even though worst case scenario, yeah. he doesn't get traded and he comes back next year, and he's a and that's like adding a great, great player to a already great team. Right. What's funny though is I feel like Dinwiddie has been plotting his exit from Brooklyn for like the last once that Kyrie and Katie signed uh, yeah. last off season, it just felt like you know Dinwiddie's Dinwiddie's he's yeah. an intelligent guy, right? Where it, um, I think at some point he was like, he wants to negotiate his next contract in completely yeah, cryptocurrency. Um, and I think that he's kind of, he's read the tea leaves where it's like, he's gone, he's going to be on the way out. Um, I think that when in the Harden trade, Brooklyn would have much more preferred to trade Dinwiddie than mm-hmm. Karis LeVert. Um, if they had the chance to, right. If, if the Rockets, if Houston was trying to make that happen. So uh, I, I think, I, I don't think he stays on that roster, um, I don't know if he gets traded this season because um, what team is waiting a year um, for him to be, you know, to actually be a piece? And I guess Miami's reasonable. Um, but what is right. he a year from now? I agree with you there that perhaps Spencer Dinwiddie's trade value is being a little bit overblown right now um, just because you don't know what this guy's going to get. And you could put you could make it a really fun game if you turn into like just how many guards have been notoriously picked over Spencer Dinwiddie in his career, especially since he got to Brooklyn. It's like every time he gets there, he's always the guy that plays well. And oh, thanks, Spencer. We really appreciate you. Let's go get D'Angelo Russell or let's go get Kyrie. Let's go get James Harden. But let's you know. So he he seems to be that guy that just continuously gets leapfrogged, even though he plays well in every situation. He played well in Detroit. He played well in Chicago. Um, he's he's a no doubt a quality player that I think a, a lot of teams would would have interest in. Um, ironically, I think he'd be better on contending teams rather than uh, rather than like a, a a Charlotte or or even like a New York or I don't know one of these teams and maybe even like Cleveland who who needs guards. They have a hundred centers. Brooklyn could need a center. Like you could see the 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 tr- the the basic roadmap of a trade, but it really doesn't make sense to me. He. He's just his trade value and his and his trade market just seems like you can't. Re- I can't really put a finger on it because I don't know how to value how to gauge this guy's value who's on an injury that that will last the rest of the season. Who's in a who's in a position where they're willing to acquire him and what what team that's in a position to acquire him and has interest. 
is willing to give up something that fits Brooklyn. You know what I mean? It's it's a really weird situation for yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie and for the Brooklyn Nets in, in general. But I don't mind them exploring it. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I feel like Houston is probably his best fit um, to be. And, you know, whenever Victor leaves or over the offseason, Victor leaves, um, I think Houston has the, like, they have a year to spare, right? They have the everyone there is broken parts like they're all broken pieces trying to get their next contract right um and so you know Spencer probably makes sense as a one year I think he has two years on his contract maybe right now um so next year come out and hoop or OKC all right as you know as uh Shay's handicap literally literally. (laughs) I don't know but I do agree he definitely is a contending piece um, and I want to see him win. I definitely want to see him in a chance in the playoffs where he's actually, you know, gets I, a chance to shine. I agree. As a I six man. He, I think he's a great six man for, for a very high quality team or, or even a, or even a seventh. If he's your seventh or eighth guy on a team, I think you're in a really good position as a franchise to win a championship. So uh, mm-hmm. I would love to, mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Uh, it's a really good yeah, seven or eight. Van Gundy for drafting Spencer Dinwiddie. Always got to bring him back to Detroit. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was about to say it feels like everyone we talked about has Detroit listen, roots. On this podcast, I will find a way. And Detroit has made yeah, and they've and they've made a history of you know like Kyle Singler still getting paid by Oklahoma City Thunder. Like that's like a random factoid that exists in the universe. Like, like there's just mm-hmm. a lot of Pistons stuff that just like it just you can you can really go crazy looking at the fact that they chose Kyle Singler over Chris Middleton. Like a lot of a lot of yeah. in impactful moves around the NBA can be traced back to Detroit making a stupid move, but that's a whole nother podcast and quite, yeah, quite frankly, one I don't want to get into. Man, I watched this, I think I said this on one of my podcasts, but during COVID, when the, first, when the pandemic hit in the first month and everybody, the NBA season got canceled, I promise this is a quick story, they were re-airing uh, the 04 finals and the 89 and 90 finals, like the years that the Pistons won. And so me being a Pistons fan, hell yeah, I'm checking that out. And number one, watching 2004 basketball was insanely crazy. Watching them just clank backboard on open threes and all sorts of just ugly possessions. But, you know, Doc Rivers was, was a play-by-play announcer. And he was, he was the color guy. And he said, the color commentator, and he said, and I quote, this is garbage time of game four of the NBA Finals. He says, I know everybody's talking about LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Carmelo Anthony, and rightfully so. I think those will all be great players, but there is something special about this Darko guy. That is a direct <laughs> quote that exists in the history, in the basketball yeah. cinematic universe. Like, it, it exists. And that is a crazy quote. Especially... Especially the Darko hit 10k points. Dude, I don't know if this man hit 10k minutes. I don't know if he hit. He hit five. I don't know if he hit 10k <laughs> fouls. I don't know what he hit in the league. Hey, I could. Yeah, yeah, I could. I could begin to tell you. All right, last name. Sorry, sorry to bring it up on a Detroit tangent there, but last trade name, which has been floated among Pistons Twitter, if I want to continue to connect things to Detroit. Lonzo Ball. Um, there's been a lot of rumors about you know the Clippers interested in him. Uh, I I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan. I think he's a great. I think he's a great piece on a on a championship team. I think he's a lot like a Spencer Dinwiddie to me, like a guy that really makes sense as 
maybe your worst starter or your or your sixth, seventh, or eighth man on a championship team. Like I, I love the way he just he plays defense, he moves the ball, he makes when he plays, and he also, you know, like the the shooting is up and down. Who knows what Lonzo you're gonna get and all of that, but so I know there's a lot of risk with him. But I, I just I like that type of player. I like the type of player that doesn't need the ball, but then when he gets it, he's always looking to move it and make the right decision. Um, there's not too many. There's not too many people with his play style in the NBA, and I think that that's a very valuable piece when you're looking at a championship team. So, I I I like him. Uh, I don't think the Clippers have the assets to get that trade done. I mean, number one, I I think he stays for that reason alone, just because it's it's a weird market for him. But what is the market for Lonzo Ball? Like, if you're if you're New Orleans, I don't know what I really want for Lonzo. Like, what's an underpay and what's an overpay? With Lonzo, I don't know what the Pelicans are looking for. Um, I don't know the direction of that team. I love uh, Stan as a coach, but I also don't know if the Pelicans are trying to get to the playoffs right now because um, it doesn't seem like they're necessarily playing or learning winning basketball. Um, I, I do know that B.I. and Zion have like a 30-piece or both had 30-piece their last game or whatever. Um, but I think with Lonzo... I think the best deal for him is a trade, like a one one for one trade. Um, the Kelly Oubre, right? Where I don't know the Pelicans are looking for, but Kelly Oubre and Lonzo probably have similar value um, right now. Um, either, um, but I think that would probably like stockpile, uh, you know, Orlando's backcourt um, with guards who all look the same or all kind of play the same and struggle with shooting, um, but are all playmakers, you know. Um, and so, but I definitely want Lonzo to win. Um, I, I I think a team like Miami oh, could also fit for Lonzo um, because he's. I, I think he'll get his, he'll get his shots. He'll get the pick and roll stuff with Bam and Jimmy. Um, he shoot even to a lesser degree the Seventy Sixers because um, they also get another pick and roll man. Um, and a pick and roll with Ben and Lonzo could be something that no one wants oh to explore. God, yeah. But it could be really deadly if Lonzo wants to shoot. You know. Um, and so that's, I, I'm kind of yeah. upset that I just thought of that and I haven't acted in 2K yet, but yeah. that could be really scary. Um, so I, I, I do think that Alonzo yeah, can go anywhere and, and it's really intrigued. weird because he fits in a lot of places, even though it's not the, like, there's very few spaces where he fits totally clean, but there's a lot of places he can go where you're just like, man, if that works, it's special. It's something nice. Like. Again, with the Clippers, giving them a, a, a guy like Lonzo who's actually going to just look for people, get the ball open, it makes sense. Uh, again, the Philly, the Philly situation, mm-hmm. again, giving them a Ben Simmons, uh, Lonzo ball pick and roll. I mean, that's kind of that's something that's very deadly. You're involving two of the game's best passers and, and, and you know, the type of right. actions you can run with that. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity for Lonzo in the, in the NBA to succeed, and I'm with you. I'm I'm totally with him being traded to a team where it where it fits. You know, a lot of people want to say Detroit just because he's a guy that that Detroit needs a guard. You know what I mean? And and you know, mm-hmm. Detroit seems to be taking flyers on on young players. So I can I could see why why people would would say that. But yeah, throwing him to a team where he can just whip that ball around Miami. I really love that idea. You know, is like Kendrick Nunn and something like what what. Like that's the thing with Lonzo is is it's a tough situation because it's clear that New Orleans, at the very least, maybe they don't they're not they're they're not hell bent on trading him, 
but I think that they that the price tag for what they want to keep him at is very low, if that makes sense. And and yeah. far and it's mm-hmm. and it's very likely that whatever the Pelicans are willing to pay him, a team is going to offer much more than that. I think that's where the Pelicans are at. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, look, we have this price point of say six eighty million dollars we want to pay Lonzo. But we know somebody's gonna come mm-hmm. in with ninety five and we don't want to pay ninety five. So let's move mm-hmm. That kind of seems like the like the route this this is going, and so they're exploring options. But you know, I I think he I so what what is the value you get for that? Because he's a, he is a you know he is a high overall pick, and you know he has had stretches where he looked great, and there are a lot of people around the league who do believe in Lonzo. So you know, is like Kend- is a package around Kendrick Nunn and stuff like enough? Probably not, but like. Also, if you're New mm-hmm. Orleans, I mean, you're kind of in a tough situation because if you're really, if if you really think that there's very little chance that you keep him on your team next year, you know, then maybe you then maybe you do trade him. But then also you could wait for a signing trade in the off season, and it's just it's a really really weird when you get into restricted free agents. A lot like John Collins, right? Like it's a situation where mm-hmm. you know, that 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 market that it's market is talk very about. very hard. Mm-hmm. That's it. John Collins is a name we didn't talk about. And I think about what Lonzo could be to the Hawks. But they, I think they're guard heavy yeah. too, somehow, some way. Or they're wing heavy. Um, but, you know, Rondo is, I guess Rondo is your Lonzo um, to a their older degree. Um, but I think with the Miami thing, what's, how, how valuable is Iguodala with Trevor Reese on the roster right now? Because I think that. Iggy, Iggy also presents that veteran presence for Nola. Um, yeah, which I think that's that's one thing that they might be lacking. Someone to kind of, because Bledsoe's clearly not it. Uh, Steven Adams isn't vocal. Uh, but Iggy's someone who can probably put, you know, B.I. and Zion kind of give what, a game, I'll you know. I'll tell you what, if um, Stan Van Gundy had the, GM, the same GM powers he had in Detroit, that trade would probably happen. He, like, Stan, like, and I'm not trying yeah. to knock Stan because you know everybody likes to knock Stan as a as a GM, and, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's totally fair. I loved him as a coach. I didn't love him as a GM at all. But you know, mm-hmm. it, I think I think looking at Stan, Stan has always just wanted guys that are going to be less of a headache, <laughs> and like Igudala yeah. is one of those guys that would be less of a headache. So you know, I could absolutely see Stan Van Gundy being like, Lonzo's a talented kid. I like this kid, but. This is a guy who won't be a pain in my ass. You know what I mean? Like, and can actually mm-hmm. maybe get these other mm-hmm. pain in the asses in line and listening to me. You know what I mean? So, so I could Sucks. definitely see that that trade happening from that aspect. But again, if you're New Aura, you know me, I wouldn't I, mind I, it. Honestly, I would. Honestly, <laughs> as a fan of basketball, I would like to see Lonzo in Miami. I really would. That that's the one that I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about before this podcast, but you floated that into my into my brain, and I like that. I will, I really like the idea of Lonzo being in Heat culture and having him whip around, having him do a pick and roll with Bam and then whipping to whipping to Duncan Robinson open in the corner. Like if Duncan, if Duncan remembers how to shoot, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Listen, Chris. I'm, again, this is this is all a fantasy in my mind. So Duncan Robinson can shoot again. It's a miracle. But uh, John Collins, we didn't talk about just because I feel like the trade market really died on him. Um, I feel like he's a guy mm-hmm. that, like, not that there's not interest in him, but just that I think Atlanta's just kind of like, whoa, we've won eight in a row. Like, let's just, right. let's chill. Like, right. let's chill. 
you know, the Rockets only won 22 games in a row. We're only we're only 14 away from that. Like Atlanta's Atlanta's think is uh-huh. the limit right now. So I don't think John Collins gets moved, even though Atlanta's looking at it to like a Lonzo Ball situation where they're like, we're probably going to have to overpay for this guy that we don't really want, but we can't lose him for nothing. And the market isn't giving us what we want for him. And you know what I mean? So it's one of those, mm-hmm. it's one of those tough situations, but I, I think he ultimately doesn't get traded. Do you think Lonzo or, uh, or John Collins get traded at the deadline? Uh, I have more faith in Lonzo being traded. Me too. Um, same thing with Collins. Uh, picking. Um, which is, you know, maybe long-term worse for him, but he's sticking for sure. Uh, so if you don't mind, a team that, like, I would really want to make something, make a trade, um, the yeah. Timberwolves. Um, well, I think our last conversation I talked about getting Cat out of there, I don't think Cat's being moved, but, like, that team is slowly transgressing into Ant's yeah. team, Anthony's team. Uh and the other team. Um, but then there's a guy named Malik Beasley or there's Rick, you know, Rick Rubio, uh, Ricky Rubio. Those are guys that like any, any contending team right now could use either one of those two um, when Malik's off of his suspension. And so that's just yeah. a team to throw out I, in there. Did you hear the um, Bill Simmons, I don't think they uh, DeAndre think Ayton for cat trade? I, I can't get that trade out of my head. <laughs> I, I, I wow. love that. I love I didn't hear that it, but... because it's like, you give Cat Booker and and CP three and then and then with you know with uh, with eight years essentially resetting the timeline and getting somebody who everybody at this point in the league believes he's a he's a very valuable player but hasn't necessarily worked mm-hmm. yet in Phoenix so it's one that I can't I can't get that out of my head it's it's one that would never happen but it's one that I can't get out of my head right. because it's, it's it's so tantalizing I see it. I see it, but I but I feel like Aiton would need that point guard or that off guard where like they're feeding him, and and I don't know if he oh, would well, find that's that. Oh, that's Russell becomes an MVP. Minnesota. <laughs> wherever, honestly, wherever Cat uh, goes, Delo's going to follow. I swear he's going to try whatever he can that, to follow. That, that D'Angelo Russell, oof, that trade. Uh, I heard a podcast the other day talking about you know how how they. How fast the NBA moves. There's a Chris Paul Westbrook trade, and then a year later, how that trade looked. And it's kind of the the trade that's kind of mm-hmm. going that path is the Wiggins Russell trade. Like, it's like if you tell me right mm-hmm. now Wiggins or Russell, like, I mean, I don't, I don't particularly like either at the money they get, but like, I mean, I might go Wiggins despite how despite how yeah. you know terrible he looked a year ago. So. Minnesota is an interesting yeah. team. I'm I'm with you. I think they should, uh, and then we'll get into our fun trades right now because I ha- I have a small one for them. Okay. Minnesota is a team that I okay. definitely think should explore um, trading possibilities, and I think teams around the league should explore trading with them. And one in particular, you're going to get annoyed, mm-hmm. but Detroit. Like if I'm Detroit, <laughs> I'm calling I'm calling <laughs> about Josh Okogi. Like I'm like I'm like okay, like this okay. guy Mills okay. got cut down from 25 to 19. Like he. Anthony Edwards, like you said, clearly his team. But Josh Okogie, two years left on the contract, looks like a semi-interesting player. I'm a big fan of trading for guys who, like, their value, for lottery first-round picks where their value is low. Like, when I was, I was that Mm -hmm. guy that even even when Stanley Johnson was on the pisses and it was clear that it wasn't working out, I was that guy that was like, you know what? If I'm San Antonio, like I'm calling about Stanley Johnson. Like I'm, I'm that, I'm very interested in, in, 
and resuscitating those lottery guys because I think a lot of times what happens with these lottery players is that they go to a situation that just isn't for them and it takes a while for their career to be revived or maybe it doesn't ever get revived. But, you know, so much of the NBA I think we, we underestimate is situational. And Josh Okogie's a guy that I like. I like him as a I like him as a prospect and I think if I'm Detroit, like if I can call for him or for Kevin Knox or somebody that somebody around the league that who's a who's a young forward that, you know, that Detroit could acquire for cheap. Like, you know, what's the what's the asking price for Kevin Knox? Nothing. What's the asking price for Josh Okogie? Nothing. Like I'll take it. Yeah, Josh Winslow. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot of that young talent that I think you can that I think you can get mm-hmm. cheaper on the league and and you know I think if I'm Minnesota obviously you want to sell higher on those guys but you know I I think that's worth a that's worth a deal to consider because there's also from the from that team's aspect from the Minnesota with Josh Okoge not working out it's like okay, well, we could let this guy go to waste and do nothing, or we could try to get like a second round pick, and that's not what he's worth, but it's it's more than what we get if we just let him leave. It's, again, the idea of never letting – Sam Presti has taught us just never let an asset go for nothing. Sam Presti will hold something to right. his last dying breath if he believes it has value. Like he's not he's not trading nothing for no value. You're not getting Al Horford without a pick. Mm-hmm. You're not getting George Hill without a pick. Like – and those are contracts that most teams in the NBA don't want. But, but if you want them, you're going to have to get a pick. And that's the kind of mindset that Minnesota should have with Josh Okogie. Yeah, he's a former whatever round or whatever. I, I don't, I'm just guessing, wasn't he like 8th or 12th or something in the draft? He was 20. He was low, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Still like, Obviously, a second-round pick for for somebody who's drafted twenty is losing value, but it's mm-hmm. it's that value or or lose all the value. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, I he's a really interesting name to throw out there. Um, but I but I definitely agree. I think that Minnesota has like yeah. five or six of those guys. Um, all young, you know, talent. So you don't know where, who they could all be those or where they could be a year from now. You know. And that's and that's mm-hmm. where you gotta look at mm-hmm. your Minnesota, like all of those players that Josh Okogie's, Ricky Rubio, Malik Beasley. Okay, if you sell low, if you sell low on all of them, guess what? That combines for something at the end of the day that's decent, and maybe right. they get to that next right. guy but I, next to Towns and D'Lo or whatever, or Anthony Edwards or however you want to do it. That's the, but I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem though. I don't think Minnesota has a direction for where yeah. they're trying to get to as a team, as an organization. I think that's crippling them. Um, because there's really no way you take I, I, honestly you look back on that trade right except for the excitement value um, and I guess D'Lo did kind of show like he was something with the Nets and the Warriors but at the end of the day D'Lo and, and Cat oh, wasn't yeah. going to work as exciting as it might have seemed like it would have been Rubio in a backcourt with D'Lo wasn't going to work either um, so I don't know if they had direction but I, I get you yeah. I, I think Minnesota's an interesting team. Do you have another fun trade before I got one more? I got one more that might make your brain hurt, but um, you got a fun trade hmm. around the league, or maybe even just a team you want to see active, or what, what you want to see at the deadline. So outside of my Miami, so outside of my Miami love, right? Um, where it's I love a Kyle Lowry for like Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and like a second, it's not happening. Uh, what if we get? Kelly Oubre for Buddy Hill, um, straight up. 
where Ubre presents for Sacramento a new space, a young space, right, where the pressure's off, um, where he gets to just hoop and be, you know, a defender, athletic defender guy who could score uh, whenever he wants to score or whenever he thinks that basketball is a thing yeah. for him to do. Best part requires offense too, right? Um, and then, you know, Buddy Hill gets a new space. We've been we've been in this Buddy Hill saga for like the last yep. three years, it feels like, where, you know, at one point it's like, oh, Buddy's going to the 76ers or Buddy's going anywhere. And I think um, Buddy with, you know, the dubs right now, with whatever's left on his contract, I think that makes a lot of sense because it gives – I'm looking at the Warriors play and what they lack the most seems to be like – perimeter shooting outside of Steph Curry. Um, and I think that you give Steph and another guard, another guard, an off guard, who's just going to sit there in a corner. That's, that makes the team completely better. Um, it puts Buddy in a different space. It puts, uh, it puts Kelly in a new space where he gets yeah. to just be a guy. And I think that's important for his mm-hmm. career trajectory. Um, yeah, so that's that was one name I thought about. And we're back after another technical difficulty, so you're gonna sound a little bit different to the listeners here, June. But we've been going through we've been going through a lot. But let's continue the point here with with Kelly Oubre. So with Kelly Oubre, to me, he's he's essentially a guy that is at this stage in his career where it's easy for us as NBA fans, NBA writers, NBA media members. To look at a player and be like, oh man, if he just gives up X amount of uh, of shots and buys into this specific role and you know sacrifices and he can be a he could be a great player on a contender and that's what I see Kelly Oubre right now. But a lot of times us NBA fans forget that these dudes, especially when they're 25, 26, 27, 28, like these dudes are in a position to you only get one or two NBA contracts in your life, like the or one or two chances for a big NBA contract and you got to go for that and so you know Kelly Oubre is one of those guys that like you would love to put on Milwaukee or you would love to put him like somewhere you know somewhere like that or Miami right like you would love if he was on your team but in in the reality you know him going to a place like Sacramento makes a lot of sense for him because that gives him a chance to ball out and be that guy and Buddy Heald same situation like Buddy Heald it's clearly not working in Sacramento this is even though he's got a contract and he's locked up now um, this is a chance for him to resuscitate his value uh, by being traded to another organization getting that fresh start that like you said it's been a it's been a saga with Buddy Heald it's been what feels like forever now and he's and it, it seems like it's nowhere near the end in Sacramento so moving on from him makes sense for both parties and I like that trade um, I don't know if it gets done I don't know if the Warriors are that interested in in that maybe they are but I think I think that's a good I think that's a good trade idea and I think I'm a big fan of those type of moves where it's like our distressed asset for your distressed asset and hopefully right hopefully it works out for both of us but at the end of the day it's probably going to work out for one of us at least mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And we yeah. high five in the middle of the hallway. We yeah, <laughs> were making exactly. it happen. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think that the, I'm sorry, but the the great thing about those two is that once their contracts are up, um, and I think Kelly is a free agent after this season, they get the they get a chance to finally pick their own market, right? Um, and she was actually interesting. I think that my push for young players is to mm-hmm. get that opportunity where you get to be a free agent, um, an unrestricted free agent, you know, hopefully. 
and you get to decide where you want to go to because that really sets your mark and i think that really establishes your confidence so i think like jeremy grant like he got to go to detroit um and we don't like no one could have foreseen jeremy being a 25 point per game uh, score you know but him i'm sure he did yeah that's Um, a that's a very that's a very interesting point i think that's a point that when it comes to the trade market is a is a whole nother side of it that we don't often equate we just look at the x's and o's part of it and we look at the this player can be this or this player can be that and you know again like it it can go back to aaron gordon like if aaron gordon goes to a situation if he doesn't uh, everybody's picturing him going to a contender but what if he goes to a team like new york who's just trying to make the playoffs and you know obviously that might not be the best fit but what if he goes to New York and balls out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or like goes to Detroit and balls yeah. out, you know, uh, 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 and then, you know, mm-hmm. that sets him up for his next contract because he's got one more year after this year. So like there's that whole aspect of it too that we sometimes we don't forget. Sometimes we look at it like we just want the rich to get richer in the NBA and we want the and we want the best right. teams to get better. And that's exactly what this last trade is to bring this podcast to a close here. Okay. I've been looking at it, and I think this is one that there's no way it happens. But can Denver pull off getting Aaron Gordon and Norman Powell? Like, like they can if they do. Gary Harris, Will Barton—two names that they've been flirting with moving around. Like, and then you have young assets like Bull Bull, like R.J. Hampton. Uh, you do have a. Uh, you do have. Let me see what picks they can throw in. I just had it up. Let me look at it again. Um, they can, they can throw in any, they can throw in quite a few of their, of their first, um, if they want to, to make the trade. But Norman Powell, who's been lights out in Toronto, Toronto has flirted with the idea of trading him because he only had two years left on his contract. And they have a lot of money committed to a lot of players. Um, it's one of those situations where they're just, they're looking to get an asset, especially if they don't move Lowry and they end up losing Lowry for nothing. This can be a way for for Toronto to get an asset that they um, that they can at least help accelerate their rebuild around Pascal and OG and Fred Van Fleet, um, and then you know and then you look at it from the from the uh, Orlando Magic side and they obviously we've been talking about this long this looming divorce between Aaron Gordon and the Orlando Magic him demanding a trade today, uh, you know maybe getting some back some of those young prospects. Uh, I imagine they don't want Bull Bull because I imagine they don't want another center that they want to have to give up on. <laughs> like, but you know maybe R.J. Hampton and some picks like fancies their boat, and you know maybe like Will, a guy like Will Barton is a player that I could see them fitting uh, fitting in their roster. The way or actually the way it would have to work is Gary Harris would have to go to Orlando because he makes nineteen million, and Aaron Gordon makes eighteen million, and Will Barton would have to go to Toronto because mm-hmm. Will Barton makes thirteen and Norman Powell makes ten. Um, obviously it would mm-hmm. take a lot for Denver Nuggets to shake up a major in-season trade like that. And that would, that could really, really rock the chemistry. But I mean, I, I mean, looking at a closing five of Jamal Murray, uh, of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., um, Norman Powell, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. I mean, look, the West is the West, like with the LeBron injury, AD, the uncertainty there, you know, there's there's potential for this to be the opening. Like you never know how, how long your opening is. Mm-hmm. I, that makes a lot of sense, right? What you just proposed makes a lot of sense. 
I don't know if Denver yeah. has the cojones <laughs> to pull it. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that like with those, you're getting, Norman Powell was like yeah. shooting out of his mind, like you said. Um, Aaron Gordon, for what he's worth, is probably two two grades um, higher than what Gary Harris right. is, has been right now post injury. Um, saving for Will Barton, uh, and, and I think that you know you throw in the Bobo and R.J. Hampton. I still think that the value um, that you're getting back, um, and you're not going to get great picks back, right? Because I don't think they have any they other have, teams. Uh, first see, they have. They own. They have their own if it's one through fourteen in 2023 through 2025. But it goes. Okay. If, but if it's fifteen through thirty, it's it's OKC. Um, and then like, and it's just one, one of those that they owe. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much all mm-hmm. their own picks is really all they have to offer. Um, they, and their own picks are going to be 22s yeah. and up, you know, yeah, exactly. So they're not in a situation oh, where they're offering a lot, but you know, if they want to get frisky and throw in their first round pick, I don't think they do that because I think they're looking at like a Bradley Beal or somebody like if you're going to throw four or five first round mm-hmm. picks plus Bull Bull plus RJ, like you're probably looking at more than Norman Powell and Aaron Gordon. You know what I mean? Like those are names that those are nice mm-hmm. names, but who knows what those names really get you. Um, even though that, that is a, a great starting five you could put together a awesome five. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, you're probably, you're probably trying to keep your picks and your and your matching salary for the for the Bradley Beal or the next superstar that becomes available, but I don't know, man. I I just I like that I like those two players in Orlando or in Denver, um, and I think they could make. The, I, see I think they could if they if they offered enough of their own picks. I think they could equate the they could get the value. They could make it. They could make the deal acceptable for Orlando and Toronto, but they would have to include a lot of their picks. Mm-hmm. I can see it though. Um, a lot of picks, and and you brought up a name in Bradley Bill, where I'm like, I think the Wizards fooled themselves by winning all those games mm-hmm. in that short bit of time, where like they thought, like they think that keeping Bradley Bill is their best move. Um, but I, but I do think that would be the trade that I would love to see. Um, Denver and and, yeah. and Washington, right? Um, those same pieces would move, right? You get you're getting your uh. Gary Harris and your uh, West West um, I said West my bad uh, Will Barton um, for the for the price tag and you're also getting your bow bow your young center your young potential center centerpiece right um, but yeah so I mean I would love to see Denver make a move I don't know if they're getting both Norman Powell I think like Norman Powell might be the like the the low key sleeper trade if it happens because yeah. he scored twenty points. Um, he, with ridiculous like Will Barton uh, first efficiency. for Norman Powell, um, or Will Barton and a young asset for uh for for Norman Powell, like that makes sense. And I mean, that that could make yeah, it makes sense. But then what? What's Will Barton giving you now? If you're Toronto, I mean Toronto's. I mean Toronto's looking at that is okay. This is a guy that is at least quality. We can maybe resuscitate his value or, or you're just looking at like Norman Powell is a guy that we don't want to pay anyways. And we're getting a first or a young player. Mm-hmm. And that's the way yeah. you sell it. Okay. It's not the greatest sales pitch. It's not the sexiest trade. You you, you might want more of an asset for mm-hmm. Norman Powell, but if there's, if the market is what it is, you know, it, maybe that's the best you can do. And the only reason why you would, do that kind of trade throw the sink at those two players who are who are quality players but not stars 
even though this is a star-driven relief, mm-hmm. is that I'm not sure you can do a Bradley Beal trade without throwing in Porter, and I don't think they want to throw in Porter. So that mm-hmm. so this is their way of, right. of getting the best version of their team without um without getting uh without giving up Porter and also with that uh Michael Porter's eventual quote unquote you know super max that's coming like we all know that Denver's gonna have to pay mm-hmm. this man. Um Aaron Gordon and, and Norman Powell are on two year contracts. And you know again mm-hmm. this is where the this is where the risk comes in. And you know if if Denver gets one championship in the next five years then then if they trade it a first round pick in the next five years, it's worth it, right? Like that's the way you equate it. Mm-hmm. And so if Denver senses the West is bleeding this year, this is our chance. We get two players for two years. We get two runs at this. And then we evaluate our options from there. And if we want to re-sign Aaron Gordon, uh, Michael Porter, and Norman Powell, you probably can't re-sign all three of them, but you can re-sign two of them. And, you know, you can make it, you can make it work, or maybe you can sign and trade the other or whatever. But you're, you this, the, the thing about this trade is it does offer you that flexibility of in two years, say this doesn't work out. We still haven't sacrificed any of our core pieces, which are Jamal Jokic and Michael Porter. And we've also, mm-hmm. you know, given ourselves a better shot to win in what could be, you know, the year, the year that the West is open, like. It just it, history shows us that you're right. Denver probably doesn't have the stones to make this move, and not a lot of franchises would have the stones to make this move. But history does show us that the the championship window is a lot shorter than you think. Like everybody's thinking with right. Luca right now, being twenty, what is he, twenty two, being like, oh my god, Dallas has got the West, uh, you know, the next ten years. But history tells us Luca's not going to be on that team for ten years, or if or if he is. They're not going to be a contender every single year for ten years. Like something's going to happen. Either right. Luca's going to get hurt, or he's going to, or he's going to leave, or the franchise is going to dip. And Kristaps, like you know, we might be seeing it now with Kristaps kind of struggling, and then them just being an okay playoff team and being in a weird position. Like you know, Dame's been good for forever, but you know they've been mm-hmm. they've flirted with being like a like a deep playoff team for five six years now so it's you never really right. know when your window is and if you feel like it's now and there's reasons to believe it's now with with the lakers and all of that and brooklyn who knows what you what happens with brooklyn if you give them a full off season to actually acquire talent and not give them uh, uh and not have them rely on a buyout market you know you, you don't know what your window is you really don't or you yep. play the long game, right? Where it's like you, where I think Jokic just put the stamp on the league where he's saying, "Hey, Luca's over there, but I'm young too, and I'm averaging practically a triple double, and I'm seven foot." And then we have a guy in MPJ where it's like, you know, we're going to pay MPJ. We've already paid Jamal, but we'll find the pieces around us right. to kind of like, you know, you know, Jokic is the type of player where it seems like. I was I was just about to say Yogi seems like the type of player where you put anybody around him and it works, but clearly the season has shown it's not that easy. Um, but I do think now you're looking at Jokic and you're like, all right, like we're building around him specifically, him and MPJ, and I think Jamal is just a notch under that. Um, which now Jamal is also trade bait, I think, or a, a potential movable right. piece in a year or two. I agree. Uh, so I don't know. I think they're a really interesting uh, place. 
Um, definitely would love to see them and Dallas make a move to kind of scare the Clippers and scare the Lakers. Do you think they do, or do you think they stand pat? And if they, and if the answer is yes, that they do make a move, what kind of, what kind of move do you think it is? Do you think it's a, it's a Norman Powell or Aaron Gordon, like a one player move, like of, of decent caliber? Do you think it's a, it's a fringe Mm -hmm. move, like say like a Terrence Ross for, for Will Barton, like a safe, like my asset for my player for your player. Hopefully our players are, you know, hopefully, you know, these play these, this transaction benefits, like what kind of move do you see Denver making at the deadline? If you see them making one, uh, I can see that Aaron Gordon. Um, I think, I think give me one splash, one big splash and that'll be Aaron Gordon. Um, and, uh, who, who moves in that trade? I think will will moves in that trade. Um, or you said Gary Harris, right? Gary for Harris the numbers would be, would be um, the one unless you want to do, um, then then it gets more complicated. Then you would do like Will Barton and Jamichael Green, per se, and then and then maybe okay. Aaron Gordon and something and something back. Um, so you could potentially you could potentially mm-hmm. do that, but uh, the cleaner trade would you're be you're something back as Mo Bamba, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what Mo Bamba's value is, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, which is. I know the Lakers had it was rumored Lakers had uh, interest in him. Um, I and I I'm a big Mo Bamba like like fan like I ideal fan like I want to be a fan of him. Um, we just don't know what he'll ever be in yeah. NBA, sadly. And he has all the intangibles to be, you know, a great lob catcher, great defender. You know, it pisses me off. It pisses me off okay when they give him my team card that can shoot threes and dribble. It's like. Yo, it's like what? Where did this come from? Two K's out of my pocket with those my team players. Yo, oh uh, no, no, no! Okay. There, it's like yo, it's like Mo Bamba. Yeah, and yo, the Two K, like <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> nah, but I, I mean, hopefully him. You know, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, it, it's crazy because they have some long players. Um, they got another guy. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um. To just, uh, I think, uh, Iwudu, right? Wesley, uh, um, and you're just like all of these long athletic guys who can double his wings or double his bigs, and and they just aren't there. They're not healthy. They're not, they're either not healthy or they're just not productive. Yeah. And that really it, sucks. It really does because you, you look at their roster up and down, and again, to use a 2K analogy, like you throw them in the trade machine, it's like they might have more stars in their trade value than any other team in the league. Like all their players are like, right. all their <laughs> players are like four-star value, but they're giving you nothing like on the court. They're all just like, these guys could be potentially amazing. Cole Anthony, uh, Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba, you know, and some of them, obviously their values are different than others. But, you know, you look at the, that roster up and down, and it's just kind of, it's unfortunate because it's really a roster that is um, that is is certainly not short on potential. <laughs> for sure, but, for sure. But all right, for sure. And Jum, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Um, I'm I'm glad that you were such a good sport about last time. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you texting me, and being like, "Yo, we can do this better," and I think we definitely did, despite all yeah. the technical difficulties. We tried. Man, listen, the listeners are gonna have no idea what we went through, but that is, but that is totally yeah. okay. We went through a lot to get you this podcast, but I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Uh, you're you're good at you're good at what you do, and why don't you plug what you do so that everybody can everybody can get in tune with you? Hey, man. Uh, 
Hey, man. Uh, for now, um, follow me on Twitter. Uh, J-U-M-T-H-E underscore. Um, have a lot in the works. Uh, and um, stay plugged in. Uh, stuff will be coming up relatively soon. So I'm sure Chris will uh, plug me as well. Yeah, your, Thanks. Your stuff will be in the description of this podcast. And as you know, I'll be throwing it on my Instagram, my Twitter stories, all of that when, uh, when things become available. Sure. But, you know, I look forward to seeing what you do next. And, you know, I look forward to having you back on this podcast again when we can hopefully do this a lot easier. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Crossed, man. Yes, sir. All right, man. You take care. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Appreciate you, Chris. Appreciate you, Chris.